Amen. He is a wonderful Savior, isn't he? Let's open up to Psalm 143 tonight. <clears throat> Those high notes stretched my voice this morning. I've been singing bass in the choir because we don't have any basses. And I think my voice is getting lower. Those high notes are kind of making me stretch. <coughs> Excuse me. my notes up here but seven psalm 143 let's read it together psalm 143 the bible says hear my prayer o lord give ear to my supplications in the faithfulness uh, in thy faithfulness answer me in, in thy righteousness and enter not into judgment with thy servant for in thy sight shall no man living be justified for the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the works of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee, uh, Selah, uh, as a thirsty land, Selah. Hear me speedily, O Lord, my spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know that way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. Uh, teach me to do thy will for thou art my God thy spirit is good lead me into the land of the uprightness quicken me O Lord for thy name's sake for thy righteousness sake bring me bring excuse me bring my soul out of trouble and of thy mercy cut off mine enemies and destroy all them that afflict my soul for I am thy servant Psalm 143 written by David uh, during one of his trials uh, we all face or will face uh, various types and numerous uh, crises in our lives and most seem to come and go pretty quickly uh, however some tend to be kind of long term uh, things like illnesses unemployment sometimes disability uh, once you become disabled sometimes uh, especially if it's physical disability you uh, it's hard to gain back sometimes the strength that you need um, a death of a loved one is a long-term crisis. Um, un, uh, unfaithfulness in marriage or abandonment uh, is a long-term uh, crisis. Whatever it might be for you, uh, those long-lasting trials are t difficult to bear. David wrote 100, <coughs> Psalm 143 during a time that he was trapped in, his, in this type of crisis. Most Bible students believe that Psalm 142 and 143 are companion psalms. And we looked at 142 last week and learned that this was when he was in the cave, uh, when he was running from Saul. If that's true, that they are companion psalms, and the psalm was written when David was running from Saul as well. Somewhere between 7 to 12 years, David ran for his life. Think about that. 7 to 12 years. That's a long time. Amen. Anywhere from 2,500 days to 4,500 days. Uh, David dealt with this crisis every single one of those days. And the psalm was traditionally been classified as a, a penitential psalm. However, David only makes one reference to sin in the entire psalm. 
and so it kind of puzzles a lot of commentators on why they classify it that way. But he acknowledges that he is a sinner, and he doesn't uh, specifically attribute that sin to the cause of the trial, uh, nor is there any real repentance mentioned either. Just the acknowledgement that everyone is a sinner. And, and it's uh, interesting, that statement, too, and that, that kind of statement in the Psalms, very unique in the Psalms. Uh, you don't find a comment that everyone is a sinner, um, whether they're uh, following God or not following God. Often it's the righteous versus the enemy or the, or the foolish. And, uh, and so, uh, but this is, so this kind of blares uh, to get your attention in the fact that it's stating that everyone is a sinner. However, this psalm is a very practical psalm. We all know that what, is going, uh, what it's like to go through a, a trial. Uh, if you have been alive longer than just a few years, you know what it's like to go through a trial. Uh, now, when you're younger, three or four years old, your trials are a little bit different than uh, when you're older. Uh, but it's still, nevertheless, very real to you, isn't it? And very real to them. And for the days that it seems uh, the crisis will never end, and you don't even have the strength to just go on any for longer. My God has graciously inspired David to write Psalm 143. And what do we do when we are caught in a crisis? Number one, uh, we plead to God for deliverance. I'm sorry, I did that. Go ahead. Uh, plead to God for deliverance. I forgot she was back there. Uh, David in verses 1 through 4 begged God to hear his prayer and listen carefully to him. Verse 1 again, it says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. Enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. Uh, my heart within me is desolate. Uh, why turn, the, turn to the Lord in times of trial? Well, first of all, letter A, because he is faithful. Amen? <clears throat> Verse 1, he says, In my faithfulness, answer me, and in thy righteousness. <clears throat> David is righteous, and so he, I mean, God is righteous, excuse me, and so he will always do the right thing. And he's always be faithful to the right thing. And David prayed, that God, uh, using, uh, prayed to God using his covenant name, Yahweh, or Jehovah. And that covenant speaks to his consistency and faithfulness. David knew that God was both faithful and righteous. He would do the right thing always. And when we confess our sins to God, we're doing the same thing along the same basis. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. First John chapter 1, verse 9, it tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're doing the same claiming that David is doing here in verse number 1. We claim his faithfulness and righteousness right alongside David, knowing that what he says he will do. And uh, so he is faithful. We plead to God not only because he's faithful, but because he's just. Verse 2, he says, And enter not into judgment with thy right servant, for in thy, right, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. Verse 1, he mentioned his righteousness, and that justice as well goes right alongside that. And here he's talking about entering not into judgment with thy servant. David knew the justice of God, and he prayed that God would not enter into the judge's bench, uh, but hear him as a child. Uh, he knew that he was far from perfect. He knew that he was, uh, if he were to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, he would 
have to answer for his sin. And he knew along with every other human being, he was a sinner. Psalm 130 verse 3 says, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Uh, no one can stand uh, if, uh, by, on their own if God is marking iniquities. By the way, he is. Uh, and so we, uh, that's the truth. No one can stand without Christ. And no one can be justified or helped in God's sight based on their own life. By making this point, David was emphasizing a very important truth. God uh, forgives and delivers because of his righteousness, not ours. Amen? And by asking him not to enter into judgment, but hear him, he was acknowledging that God was just. And so he is faithful, he is just, and we ought to plead to God for deliverance because he is the defender. Verse 3, For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have long uh, been long dead. David asked for help of God because he knew that uh, that is where his only true hope will come. And David tells him the reason for his plea. His enemy is persecuting him. Saul pursued him relentlessly. He had to hide in caves, as we saw last week. <clears throat> he had to run from, <coughs> excuse me, from friend to friend, and those who did help risked death, as we saw, as we see in First Samuel, where the Saul killed uh, so many priests because the head priest uh, helped David. David was taken from his home, his own family. And his uh, family ended up coming to him in the cave, when he was in the cave. We saw that last week. And he would, they were trying to seek refuge uh, together. And David found a place for them. They had to go to another, another nation uh, out of fear that Saul would do something to his family, I imagine. And he was cut off from home. He was cut off from family. He was cut off from his society. He was smitten and beaten down. And he needed help. And David knew just where to run. In verse number four, he says, Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. And he was overwhelmed. He said his heart inside was desolate. The word means destroyed, disheartened, and dismayed. He was torn down and worn down from years and years of running from Saul. Seven to twelve years. Can you imagine running for 7 to 12 years? They just caught that guy in Pennsylvania. Uh, did you see that? Uh, he was a, a murderer and he escaped prison. And uh, a big manhunt happening going on and they caught him this morning. You know, it's exhausting to be on the run. I don't speak from experience, but uh, nevertheless, you know, it's a, I imagine it's got to be exhausting. Constantly looking over your shoulder and constantly moving. And David had to do this. One commentary called this expression of despair that he used here, uh, defined it as heart paralysis. I thought that was interesting. Heart paralysis. During times of trials like these, especially long-lasting trials, we need to remember that God does love us, amen, and he is our defender. He knows what we're facing, and he knows how heavy our hearts are. And when our burdens get heavier than we can bear, he calls for us to cast them upon him, amen. Psalm 55, verse 22 tells us, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Whose job is it to sustain us? His. Okay? 
I can't just keep, I can't go on. Yes, you can. Because it's God's job, not yours, to keep going. Okay? He shall sustain you. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. God cares. He knows what's going on. I have heard many times that God never gives you more than you can bear. But I wholeheartedly disagree. I wholeheartedly disagree. I'm sorry, I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in lives all around me. God regularly gives us more than we can bear alone. Uh, he invites us to depend upon him for supernatural strength to go on. He wants us to go to him. So he pushes us to the limit of standing alone. And he says, come to me. And he invites us to give him our burdens and allow him to carry them. And we need to cry out to God for help when we feel like our crises are, that's hard to say, crises, is that better? Are crushing us. We're the child of the king, amen? He, we have a standing invitation to come boldly before the throne anytime we need grace. Hebrews 4.16 tells us, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Boy, that brings up all kinds of images in my mind. I think of uh, Esther, you know, and coming before the throne. And she could have been killed, but she found mercy. Amen? It makes me think of the story of the, the boy who was trying to get into the throne room uh, when the king was in there, and, and, uh, and the guard didn't know who he was and stopped him. And he, he said, what makes you think that you can go into the throne room? He said, because my father sits on the throne. <laughs> he said, let him in. <laughs> You know, he, why? Because he's his child. We have a standing invitation to go to the throne of grace. We need to use it. Amen. And as he is faithful and righteous to do all that he has said. If he has given us uh, his own son for us, how much more would he be willing to do for us whom he loves? Romans 8.32 tells us, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also, free, so also freely give us all things? All things, amen? And we just need to go to him. So we need to plead to God for deliverance. Number two, uh, we remember uh, what he has done. Remember what he's done. David forced his eyes away from his circumstances in these verses and purposefully looked at the power and faithfulness of God. Verse 5 and 6 says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the works of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Selah. And David remembered the days of old and decided to meditate on God's great works rather than the circumstances he was on and the fear that he felt. So how do we do this? Number one, or letter A, sit and meditate. When you find yourself in this situation, remember what he's done. Sit and meditate on what he's done. We would do well just to sit down and ponder and even write down all the ways that God has helped you and your family. And David did this. And he reflected on the great things that God had done for his people in the past. And David was, had been anointed king of Israel. He knows the nation's history. And he begins running through it in his mind, I imagine. God called a man, Abraham, and made, him, made his covenant with him and took care of him and provided for him. He chose a family and it, uh, Israel became a great people. 
He raised up Joseph to preserve Israel through the famine. He brought Moses to the point of leadership to deliver Israel from Egypt. He parted the Red Sea that they could escape on dry land while the enemy was, was drowned. He provided miraculously in the wilderness for his people, even in their own disobedience and grumbling. He brought them into the promised land and won the victories for him. And he had granted victories uh, from their enemies for through the years, including Goliath. And David knew this. And considering all that God has done in the days of old and new alike, David remembered. He meditated upon them. He mused over the works of God's hands. And think how, how much God has uh, done so many great things just in the four years that I've been here, almost four years that I've been here. He pointed your committee to a website that none of, most of you didn't know. He pointed me to that same website that I had never seen before. You know, he showed it uh, to my wife who encouraged me to take a look at the same page that I was looking at earlier. Uh, he uh, focused your attention on my resume. He provided for the seemingly insurmountable task of moving us here. Uh, he ushered us through the COVID pandemic without losing any members like so many other churches across the nation lost. He has helped us see growth in attendance every year since. He's helped us remodel much of the church building. He's helped us to raise money to send kids to camp every year and have VBS each year, despite, <coughs> despite not having the regular donation that we used to receive every year. And we, we began live streaming and keep, keep it going with almost as many views online as we have in attendance here in person. Almost double our attendance, and so much more. Consider what God has done in the past, and it will encourage us to step out in faith and trust him, even in the midst of trials. And trust that God will continue to provide. He'll continue to aid. He'll continue to guide. And after we've spent some time sitting and meditating on what God has done in the past, it's time to let her be. Lift your hands and pray. Amen. Verse 6 says, I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. Selah. David very naturally went from meditating to worship. When you begin to meditate on God and, what, and all that he's done, the natural place to go from there is worship. David went from praying for God's help to praying for God himself in his presence. My soul thirsteth after thee. Not for thy help. He thirsts for him. And David thirsted for God himself like a dry and thirsty land craves water. His soul is parched and cracked and he knows only God can fulfill his true need. And David concludes this first six verses with the word Selah. Often thought to be a musical notation to have a musical interlude to allow the people to meditate on what was just sung. No one really knows what it means, for sure, or how it was used, rather. Uh, but when we are caught in a crisis, we need to force ourselves to take our eyes off of our circumstances and remember God's power and faithfulness and just pause and think about him and hear the, his voice. Amen? Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. 
is there anything too hard for me? And what's the answer? No. Nothing. Not at all. And we just need to depend upon him. So we need to plead to God for deliverance. We need to remember what he has done. Then in the following verses, I see five specific requests that we can pray. Number three, five specific requests that we can pray. After expressing his thirst for God, David continues praying about his crisis. And he he makes five specific requests of the Lord and then closes his prayer as he began. He appealed to God's faithfulness and righteousness. Number one, the first thing that we need to pray is uh, that God will answer quickly. Amen? God will answer quickly. He says, verse number seven, Hear me speedily, O Lord, my spirit faileth. Hide not thy face from me, lest I be uh, lest I be like unto them that go down into the pit. David asked him to hear. The word here is ana. It's a different word than was used in verse number one that's translated here. Uh, this word doesn't just mean to hear. It means to hear and answer. Amen? And so he's asking for a speedy answer to his prayer. He confesses that his spirit is failing and he's at a breaking point. And he begs God to not hide his face from him. He wanted to feel God's presence in the situation. <clears throat> then number two, second uh, specific prayer request we can pray is speak to me. Speak to me. Verse 8 it says, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to hear, cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. And David asked God to speak to him as he worships him in the morning. He especially wanted to hear his loving kindness. Overwhelmed here, David wants God's reassurance. He reaffirmed his trust in God here, and he asked God to show him the way that he should walk. And sometimes in these situations that we face, every step we take is fraught with dangers. And we need his wisdom to help us. We need to hear from God so that we don't make mistakes. And David was putting his entire soul into God's hand. He says, for I lift up my soul unto thee. So he asked for God to speak to him and help him and show him. So answer quickly. Speak to me. Number three, deliver me. Again, David asked for God's deliverance from his enemies. Verse number nine, he says, Deliver me, O Lord, from mine enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. David wanted to stay a step ahead of Saul and his men. He was counting on God to protect him. And he knew that only God could truly hide David from his enemies. A few years ago, I read a story about a Christian who was fleeing from his enemies during a persecution in North Africa. His enemies were close on his heels as he tried to get away from them, and he was pursued over hill and valley until he was near exhaustion. And in desperation, he spotted a small cave and climbed into it exhausted. But he suspected that he would be caught because the the entrance to the cave was visible, even from a distance. And awaiting his pursuers, he he prayed that the Lord would protect him. And not long after, he spotted a spider weaving a web. In just a few moments, the spider had woven its web right across the mouth of the cave. 
And just then uh, the man's pursuers arrived, but seeing the web across the mouth of the small cave, they assumed it was impossible for him to have entered in there, and so they moved on and the man managed to escape from him. And later the believer is reported to have said, where God is, a spider's web is like a wall. Where God is not, a wall is like a spider's web. Amen. That's good, isn't it? That story has been attributed to about three or four different things and people, including David, by the way, ancient uh, Jewish uh, uh, extra-biblical history, uh, talks about the times that he was in a, uh, hiding in a cave and a spider uh, did that. We don't know if it's true. It's not biblical. Uh, it's not in the Bible. Uh, but, you know, some people say, well, it's probably none of it is true then. It's just uh, lore. Well, all of it could be true, maybe, you know, and God could have done it more than once. Amen? Uh, but who knows? Nevertheless, God is able to deliver us however he chooses to do so. And David prayed for a quick answer, and he prayed for God to speak to him. And he prayed for God to deliver and hide him. Then he prayed, uh, letter D, teach me. Verse 10, he says, teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of, the upright, of uprightness. And specifically, he asked, teach me to do God's will. He affirmed that God is his God. He said that, he says, uh, for thou art my God. He plays claim on him, and he wanted to do his will. If he is art my God, then I should be doing what he wants me to do. I want to flee. I want to run away. I want God to save me. I want God to deliver me. Uh, but what, God, what is it that you want? And he asked his Holy Spirit to guide him and tell him the truth. David understood that God's Spirit would lead him to do right always. And we need to pray this prayer often, don't we? Especially during these trials when uh, we often uh, want our will. I want to get out of this trial. Amen? I want it to go back to the way it was. Yeah, but what is God trying to teach you in the midst of it? What is God trying to teach David in the midst of this? We'll need to allow God's Holy Spirit to guide us through these trying times. And we need to yield to his Holy Spirit every step of the way, every day, every moment. If we're going to learn what we ought to learn from it. And so we need to pray, answer quickly, speak to me, deliver me, teach me. And then letter E, honor your name. Honor your name. Verses 11 and 12 tells us, Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake. For thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. And, out the, uh, and of thy mercy, cut off mine enemies. And destroy all them that afflict my soul. For I am thy servant. <coughs> David knew that he was God's servant. God had anointed him as the, the man of God had come by God's uh, decree and, and uh, order and anointed him. He saw the eldest brother and he said, surely this is God's anointed. I think we looked at that Sunday sometime. And surely this is God's anointed. Uh, but God says, no, uh, man sees the outside, but I see the heart, not him. Next one, not him. Next one, not him. Next one, not him. Last one, not him. What do you mean? <laughs> I missed something, right? He said, wait a minute, do you have another son, right? And they said, oh, well, we have, you know, the runt. <laughs> He's watching the sheep. He said, well, go get him. He comes, and sure enough, God says, that's the one I want. That must have stood out in David's mind, don't you think? His, his family's mind. His father, for sure. 
And he was anointed by God to be king. And he asked God, now for his name's sake, deliver him. For his sake. And he prayed that God would quicken him to keep him alive through all of Saul's efforts to kill him. And David appealed to God's mercy and by his mercy on his servant, take care of his enemies for him. We often do not find the answers to our prayers because we do not pray specifically. Uh, Rather than asking in general terms for God to help you, ask for exactly what you want to see and ask for wisdom and what to pray, amen? But always yielding to his will in the process. You may not get exactly what you want, uh, but if we yield it to the Holy Spirit in our prayers, he'll tell us exactly what's best. And David prayed for quick deliverance. He prayed for God to speak to him during his devotional worship time. He prayed for his uh, deliverance from his situation, and yet he prayed for the Holy Spirit to teach him God's will in all of this. He prayed that God would be honored and glorified in all that happened. Now, Jesus taught us to pray specifically. Uh, In one teaching, Jesus told about a man who came at midnight to his friend's house specifically to borrow three loaves of bread. It was very specific in his request, and this is in context of his teaching on prayer. Another time he was talking about a son asking his father for, for bread and fish. Again, not dad, I'm hungry, but he asked for bread and fish. Again, illustrating the willingness to ask God the, uh, God the Father for our needs. And James used the illustration of Elijah who prayed specifically that the rain would stop. And God withheld the rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again that the rain would start and God sent rain. And James 5 tells us this in 17 and 18. He says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. He said, he was no different than you and me. He was a man just like everyone else. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. This wasn't, hey, Lord, stop the rain. Boom. He prayed earnestly. The Holy Spirit put that word in there. Okay? That means it wasn't a simple prayer. He earnestly prayed that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. General praise, prayers are not effective because if we don't even know what we're praying for exactly, why should God answer? (laughs) And be specific, and ask God for wisdom, and yield to his will in the prayer. Say, well, I don't want to be selfish. He goes, okay, fine, then yield to his will, and you won't be selfish, amen? And say, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done, okay? And when we're faced with situation and trial, specifically pray that God will deliver you from that particular situation. Yielding to his will, knowing that often it's God's grace that is given to us that we might be able to endure, But specific prayers often get specific graces. Amen? Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight.